This is the Volleyball Coaching Wizards podcast, covering everything coaching. Motivated and inspired by interviews and conversations with some of the world's great volleyball coaches. To learn more about the project, visit VolleyballCoachingWizards.com. Now here are your hosts, John Foreman and Mark Levijou. Welcome to episode 13 of the podcast. Uh, in this show, Mike Lingenfelter of Munciana Juniors is kind of the focal point of, uh, of our discussion here. Uh, he made some comments during his interview uh, talking about breaking a game up into manageable pieces. And he, he shares um, his philosophy, what he calls the high five, which has to do with having certain targets that the team is shooting for, both in terms of score and some other things. And, you know, you, you'll understand that a little better when you hear the snippet from his interview. You know, Mark and I then talk about different ways that, you know, a coach can break this, break a matchup into more manageable pieces. So instead of trying to think about being the first to 25, the team might think about being the first to eight or 10 or whatever. And this and kind of the psychological implications to that and why there's a, a real benefit to, to uh, doing so. So hopefully uh, an enjoyable discussion and you'll get something out of it. One of the things that I don't know if you follow it, John, but uh, Mick Haley hit on a couple years ago was that the team that reaches 10 first tends to win 83% of the sets. And so our, one of our goals is we want to come out and get, jump all over you at the start of practice. We want to get out and we want to play every day right, right off the bat and try to get going. So, you know, if, if, the, if the team that reaches 10 first wins 83% of the sets, then we want to practice reaching 10 first. It's actually uh, interesting you said that. I hadn't heard that stat, but I – when I was coaching the Devon ladies a few years ago, we definitely had an issue with getting off the slow starts. And um, in the National League in England, they play with the 8 and 16-point technical timeouts. So I got yeah. to the point where I said, okay, we win the game to 8. We win, you know, we win the game to their first technical timeout. And boy, did that change things. <laughs> you, know, you know what somebody said to me, and I never thought about it. I, I do a thing called the high five. We got five variables that we want in every single game. We want to reach 10 first because if the guy that reaches 10 first wins 83% of the sets, I want to be that guy. We want to force the first time out. We want to reach 20 first because that guy tends to win 92% of the sets. And we want to force the second time out. And then after 20, John, we just want to play clean. That doesn't mean you won't score. We just don't want to give you any points. And so I told somebody that, and he said, you know, that's a great idea. And he said, because now your kids, you've broken down 25 points into really five little games with M1, and people can play smaller games better than they can play larger games. And, you know, I never thought of it. We just call it the high five, and we, we chart how, you know, how many of those variables we nail down. But it's just like what you just said. You know, you're playing to the technical. You want to be the first to the first technical. You want to be the first to the second technical. And what happens is you, you know, in this day and age of people with really uh, fleeting, uh, fleeting uh, comprehension and or attention spans, you, you may be better off putting things into segments where you're playing in 5, 10, 15 point segments as opposed to 25. Those comments from Mike that, that in our discussion about trying to, to break the game down, uh, as you would have heard from just the conversation, was something that really hit home with me for sure, uh, based on my experience coaching in England. Um, and 
it wasn't the first time that I've coached a team that had a hard time getting off to a good start in a set um, or even in a match overall. And it's always been one of those questions of, okay, you know, we start off a little lackluster. How do I get them to, you know, perform straight away instead of, you know, waking themselves up in the course of the match? And in that particular case with the Devon ladies, it was, it was definitely something that worked in saying, okay, you know, we're going to win the, the game to the first technical timeout at eight points. Um, granted, not everywhere you go has that convenient sort of uh, structural arrangement. Like in Sweden, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't have it. We don't use the technical timeouts here. And when yep. I was coaching Bucks in England, we didn't have them either. But I know that I've heard coaches before talk about, even in the old rally, even in the old side out scoring days, you know, break the game down into three parts each consisting of five points. So win the game to five and then win the next game to five and then finally win the final game to five. Um, so from that perspective, it's always it's always made a lot of sense to, to help keep the team focused. Yeah, the, the idea is something I've heard a lot about in the past uh, in different contexts and, and it's something I use often. So um, in a technical timeout, then I'll say, okay, let's... Uh, we push now to the second technical or or uh, let's work to be a, a, you know ahead at the next technical if we're whatever if we're a couple of points behind or, or something so it is a um an easier way maybe of, of going about things sometimes and it has a um a an actual word for it it, it has a description in in psychological literature and sports psych literature and I couldn't really find it. I, th I think it may be chunking that, uh, that that they talk about. And I remember as a player, the the sports psych lessons, and they talked about managing, uh, you know, breaking things down into smaller chunks. If if you're running to uh, run to the next uh, uh, light light pole, if you're um, whatever on the on the bike, then it's just okay. I get up the up the next hill, and then um, whatever it is, just making breaking the the activity down into smaller goals that are, are much more easier to much more easier, much easier to to motivate for. For example, right? Yeah, uh, it, it, for sure. It's, it can especially in these days when you're looking at twenty five point sets and going okay. We've got to we've got to win twenty five points and keep the other team from doing it. It's it's a bigger ask than just saying okay we've got to win the game to eight or win the game to five, yeah. or whatever the case may be. The, the question that brings up to me is on the training side of things: Do you actually, from a training perspective, set things up that encourage that sort of thinking? Yeah, in some sense, yes. So. Um, I for long periods of uh, of years, in fact, seasons, I've I've done the the drill structures or at least the gameplay structures around um, eight to ten minute blocks. So so that uh, I would have a drink break um, at eight, you know, roughly eight minutes, or I would set up the scoring system of the drill so that each set would last, you know. Eight to twelve minutes maximum, as it roughly fits in with the technical timeout. So, uh, I think I think that's that's part of it. 
um, uh, for some reason that I'm not entirely sure of the the last couple of years I've I've extended drills I wanted them to go a little bit longer but um, but definitely for for big periods I've uh, included those ideas in uh, in in practice okay all right yeah I, I know there are coaches who who talk about specifically structuring their trainings so that they have timeouts of 30 seconds or three minutes in some cases mm -hmm. at at the times when they would approximate timeouts in the matches break between sets so every 20 to 25 minutes they'll have a three minute break the yeah, equivalent yeah. Of, of a break between sets, but that's that's a little different than what we're talking about here. I would say uh, that's the the practice part of it, but it, it's not ever. It's I I don't think I've ever said it in in practice situation. Okay, we need to uh, we need to focus on on the game in in three or five or nine or two uh, chunks. It's uh, uh, this is only something that I would ever talk about during the game or structure implicitly into the practice without uh, being overt about it. Right. Like something like starting the scoring at 20 to 20 and you know, playing out <laughs> the last five points or making it a 10 point game instead of a 25 point game or something like all those. That's why you're laughing. Uh, because the, so I've, I actually would normally, if I want to play to 10, I normally play to 10. Um, uh, I'm again. I, I know a lot of coaches will start at 15 all or 17 all or or whatever. But the reason that I laughed was uh, not for what you said, but the link that was instantly made in my head, which was of people practicing um, uh, end of set situations by making the uh, by making the score 20 all or 21 19 or or something and. Um, that's not something that I uh, agree with or support. All right, I'll elaborate, elaborate. Come on, you can't bring that up without saying why. I'm perfectly ready to elaborate, and I was giving you a moment to uh, to break it up. So I I've used it before. I've I've tried to use it, and what I found was that uh, when I started a set at twenty twenty all or, or whatever it was. What I get is a five-point set. I don't ever get the feeling from the from the group that they're playing um, they're playing from twenty all. I get the feeling that they're playing a set to five, and there's a completely different mentality in that situation. So, if you're starting from zero, you you start from zero. It's you're starting with a clean slate, but when you are at twenty all. You have the collective experiences that got you to twenty all. So you're uh, you're a little bit tired. You're a little bit angry. You're in good form. You're in bad form. You've just had a refereeing decision that you've had to deal with. All of the things that you have to deal with at the end of a long set, you don't have to deal with when you start at twenty twenty. Well, presumably, though, in training, you could create those sort of situations. Start the 2020 um, after a particularly intense prior exercise or ruffle the team's feathers a little bit in some fashion to, to put them under pressure. I, I, I totally get what you're saying in terms of the zero zero clean slate. Um, 
but that also brings up the question of why would you play any differently in a game to five starting at zero versus in a game to five starting at 20. Uh, the question is not whether you would, the question is whether you do. And the answer to the question, the first question is no, you shouldn't. The answer to the second question is yes, you do. <laughs> Fair enough. So, but it's like I said, you, when you get to 2020, you have a, you have a, a lot of baggage. And um, the experience of that set, it's, it's the same reason why a team can lose the set 25-8 and win the next set 25-15 because um, you start from zero, you start from scratch. The, the one thing is done and dusted and the, the next one begins. So uh, uh, you, you're absolutely correct that there are ways to make 20 20 begin a 2020 set in practice meaningful so uh, you have some physical work you um whatever there there are ways you can do it but i've never thought that the the effort that i would have to go to to replicate that moment was worth the benefit that i would get from it all right let me ask you this because mike brings up his high five in yep. terms of what he's the goals he's got for the team over the course of a set. Now, if if you didn't have the technical timeouts as kind of easy signposts to you know aim the team at, what sorts of things would you use as targets? Yeah, that's a really good question because the the technical timeout it it gives a break where it gives an actual break. So, all right, you, you, you reach your goal or otherwise you have a moment to reconsider the next goal and how you're going to go about it. So um, the way I think about it, because I'm conditioned to technical timeouts over many, many years, is that there has to be some sort of break at that moment. So um, where you consider it, but the most logical way is is, uh, is maybe eight, sixteen, twenty-five, because I think five five periods is a is a lot. Two periods is is uh, not many, so three periods seems about right to me. Right, so roughly yeah. eight, eight and sixteen being roughly a third. Yep. Uh, yeah, I've. I'm just trying to think about what I've been doing this season here in Sweden where we don't have technical timeouts at all. Um, and I've definitely talked about at the end of a set winning, winning the game to five, but not, not as much with this team as I've done with other teams. It's, it's just a different group. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I honestly, I honestly can't think of, of, a, of a time where I've said, okay, we want to win the, the game to eight or the game to 16. Um, yeah, uh, maybe it's just this particular group. I, I haven't seen the need for it yet. Or maybe I'm just thinking of it more in terms of when I'm going to, when I'm going to call a timeout, if I think I need to call a timeout. Yeah. And that I, very. Uh, to me, it seems a big part of it seems to be how to cope with deficits. So the, um, there's a part about you know about going maximum for a short period of time and then having a break which is uh which is one 
physiological and psychological part and works well with the technical timeouts. But the other part, I think, is, is where you, where I see the, the most use for it is, uh, is dealing with deficits so that, uh, you know, if you can have the, the moment in the match where you're four points behind, so it's 10-6 it's or something, and you call the timeout and say, um, you know, 10-6 can seem like an insurmountable deficit you're playing badly obviously because you've lost some points and and uh you know we we have no chance to win this set already but but if you break down then the remaining parts of the set and say okay at the uh let's get to 17 with only a two-point deficit so we just need to get two points back right now and then at 17 15 you can say okay you know we get to 22 all here then uh, you know, you can make the make the difficult situations seem more manageable. All right. So, from that perspective, and I, and I I can anticipate your answer a little bit in this. Uh, if you didn't have technical timeouts, yep. would you consider taking a timeout at approximately the same point in time to accomplish the same purpose? Well, as I was going through the scenario with you that I've never had to go through that I may never have to go through I did consider that as the obvious option so uh, I would consider it yeah but I'm, I'm thinking you'd probably more likely consider it when you're losing than if you were ahead well given that I philosophically don't think the timeouts are, are nearly as valuable as they're made out to be um, to be to take a timeout at twelve eight when I was winning, but because it was the set time that I always take a timeout, doesn't perhaps seem as strange to me as it might to some others. <laughs> and just to be clear, Mark is referencing some research that he's done that says timeouts don't change the the result of the next point. Yes, uh, they don't change the probability of the result of the next point. The odds remain the same either way. So that uh, that your chance of getting a side out, um, presuming that you take a, a timeout when the uh, the other team serves, is remains uh, very close to exactly the same, regardless of whether there's a timeout or not. Right. And there's also some research in the NBA that suggests that coaches. Uh, that the, a team's success rate is lower after a timeout than it would be if there hadn't been a timeout. Right. right. Um, that we don't need to get into this discussion at this point, but one way I want to extend that research one day is to look at <clears throat> the next X number of points, not just the next one. Because I do think that there's a, a large random factor at any one given point. And the, as coaches, we at least some of us in theory, take timeouts to, you know, affect momentum, not just necessarily the next point. Um, although we will always take credit for when the other team misses their serve coming out of a timeout. Yes, I have a blog post coming up about that one too. <laughs> about the missing the serve? Yep. Have you actually run the numbers? Uh, I've run the numbers in my matches this season, um, which is, uh, I haven't done the last two, but the first 11 matches... Over 2,000 serves, about 160 timeouts, including because we have technicals as well. 
and the probability of a service error after a timeout is less than the normal probability of a service error. Got good dis disciplined servers in your league. <laughs> I know the rules. Thou shalt not miss a serve after the other team takes a timeout. I have never, ever once said that <laughs> in my team. So, well, you haven't had uh, to. Really, they already know. <laughs> People can always think of an argument to support the theory that they already have that you're challenging. Of course. And I just, I just had something that went through my head while you were talking. I forget what it is now. Ugh, it was on the research front. Anyway, I'm sure it'll come back at another less opportune moment. Um. Right. Yeah. I wanted to, because uh, Mike talks about the uh, percentage or the probability of winning a set depending on on uh, on who gets to ten and twenty first. And there's, I've seen the same things for eight and sixteen for the technical timeouts, and uh, it really jumped out at me when I listened to it. Uh, listened to this clip again this morning. Um, a thought that went through my head in our in our last match and and uh we we had a situation the beginning of the the beginning of the match we were down three zero straight away actually four zero so um and i it went through my head at that moment um that really this doesn't matter at all because we have, and this is something maybe this where I do have an influence, and I, I tell my team all the time, every day, that we always have a chance to score break points, and um, we have, uh, and when we do, we have the the ability, the capability to score multiple break points and run series of break points. So I never feel like, regardless of the odds, I never feel like. 5-8 or 15-16 or 12-16 is a decisive uh, break in a set. So um, it's just was just interesting from from that point of view. And and I think, if I remember rightly, we had one 3-0 win this season, 3-0 uh, win where we were behind at five of the six technical timeouts. <laughs> Yeah, we've all seen it. Which I mean, even in and of itself is no proof of anything, right. but yeah, it's the yeah, you're just in the minority percent. That's all. Um, I mean, even my team had a set in Grand Prix where we were, I think we were down something like eighteen to ten, nineteen eleven, something like that, and basically scored ten straight points. Mm -hmm. You know, against presumably one of the better teams in our league in the bronze medal match. So crazy stuff happens in the sport. And right after that, we had a, we saw the, the final match. One team lost 25 to five after starting 16, zero down, which is just mind boggling for this level of, of volleyball. You just don't expect to see that sort of thing. 16, zero. The 16 -0 thing down. I think about 16, zero is that it's already the end of a, of a side out set. Yeah, exactly. Because the the t the winning team did start with the serve, so yeah, it, the set was longer than an old old scoring, right? Old scoring. Yep. They had the distinct minority case in that. Yeah. Uh, 
All right, we're, we're coming up on time. Uh, any final points you can think of? Uh, no, uh, just, to, just to reiterate the point, I, it's, a, it's a well-used psychological tool to break things down into manageable chunks and not only for, actually not only in sport, but also in, uh, in general learning. So um, uh, I think Mike makes a, makes a really important point and, and uh, breaking, breaking it down like that uh, helps with, with goal setting and helps with uh, managing, managing a whole match. Right. Yeah, it helps keep the players focused and gives them something to think about be above and beyond the score in some cases. I mean, like some of Mike's examples, some of his high five really don't have anything to do with score. It's getting another team to call, call a timeout or, or whatever. And if you're a developmental coach, you can certainly be picking on picking out a certain number of, of things that you want the team to achieve. Yeah. That could be your objectives. Exactly. All right, we'll wrap it there. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For show notes and more, visit volleyballcoachingwizards.com backslash podcast. Got an idea for a future episode or want to ask a question? Send an email to podcast at volleyballcoachingwizards.com.